When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. The Blitz on a Monday here, rocking and rolling with you as we approach the end of August, the end of the preseason, preseason 2022 in the books. Three down, three W's for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Some good there, certainly, that we'll discuss uh, some concerns as we head into the regular season and cut day tomorrow. Obviously, we'll all have our eyes on that on Tuesday. Motsi, we got a plethora. Plethora? Mm-hmm. Fancy word or no? Big word? Fancy word or no? Um, I'm kind of, I have a personal issue with that word. Okay. Um, it was introduced to me early on in my life, okay. so it doesn't really appear to be a big word to me, but it very well could be a big word. It was just something that, you know, my parents were very, uh, they liked that word. Yeah, plethora and uh, let's see, uh, cantankerous, you know, those, those type of words, any of those, like, just off the beaten path. Cantankerous. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, you can't just say I'm a little upset. No, you're perturbed. I'm like, who speaks like this? Who speaks and like this? So, for me, I'm I, perturbed. you know what I mean? I don't necessarily think it's a big word, but that could be my upbringing. So, it might, yeah, I think you pass for that. Okay. Better That's than fine. knee jerk. I like it better than knee jerk. Nah, knee jerk's a big word. But let's just say knee jerking. Now we're cooking, you know? You got to throw the ing on it. <laughs> Uh, let's get to some of these tweets here do it. in this segment because we got a lot as we always do the day after games people uh got their questions comments concerns and reactions on twitter you know where to get at us now this is a good idea from sensei here who tweets let's just have kenny and mitch switch jerseys week one and see how people react i mean it could yeah, i don't know we'll see we'll but, see but you know what they're gonna complain then what are they gonna complain about how the gloves on Ah, where's the two gloves? Yeah, you can't do that now. Where's the two gloves? Steel City Champ says that he thinks the Steelers have a fan base that's kind of split into two types right now. Um, You know, those who care about college football as well, too, and want Kenny Pickett to come in and be Superman, and those who are more NFL people who understand the process of being a uh, franchise or a long-term quarterback. I think that's well said. That doesn't sound, actually does seem like a that, fair assessment. That does seem like a fair assessment because it is funny, and I do think that there's a little bit 
there is like an an age denominator in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more people our age, Motsi. People who are in their thirties. Tell me what you mean our age, man. Don't be lumping me in with you young guys, man. I'm in my mid thirties. Actually, I'm, technically, I'm I'm thirty four. That's got to be mid ish, right? I think so. It's like on the because like thirty one, thirty two would be early thirties. I'm like on the 37, 38, 39 would be late 30s. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you, you're in the middle. Put some respect on my name, yeah. on my age. Yeah. Yeah. There are... I've always, I've always had this theory, okay? That there are two types of football fans, mm-hmm. okay? There are college football fans who have an NFL team that they root for. Yes. And then there's NFL fans who have a college team that they root for. Mm. Pittsburgh is certainly more of the latter in I that conversation. Right? <laughs> you know agree. me. I'm, yes. the, I'm the former. Yes. WVU is my football team. I love the Steelers. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I was holding my terrible towel and, and watching the TV every Sunday. But football to me was always a Saturday thing. That's more common in the South, right? In mm-hmm. SEC, in SEC country, and in, in some of these places. But in a place like Pittsburgh, it's a lot more NFL fans who have a college team that they root for on Saturdays as well. Too might be Pitt, might be Penn State, might be Notre Dame, you know, whoever. I think a lot of those uh, people in Pittsburgh who are really into college football have become much more vocal in this conversation. Because they have seen Kenny Pickett be Superman at Pitt, right. and they just want to see him come in and, and do the same thing right away, as opposed to, like Steel City Champs said so well, uh, the process of becoming a franchise quarterback. Yes, there's the Joe Burrows. Mm-hmm. And I know, I mean, he was like 2-7 and seven or something like that when he got hurt his rookie year, but everyone could see it, right? Yes. There's the Joe Burrows that walk in right away, rookie quarterback, and you're like, yeah, you know what, this guy has it. It's going to take some dime, things like that, but this guy has it. There's also the Patrick Mahomes or the Josh Allens where it takes say, you know yeah, takes more takes of a, time. takes a little bit more time. But that is it's more common for the guys that take a little bit more time. Even Josh Allen who I mentioned, there were a lot of people that were sold on him out on him after his rookie season. Yeah. He's never going to be the guy. Look at him now. That took him 3 years. There's there's a process to that. And you know what? Maybe that's part of why some of this is head scratching too. Cuz you saw that process from Kenny Pickett at Pitt. He yeah. never threw more. He I never know. threw more than thirteen touchdowns until his last year. Was it 30, 39 touchdowns his first three seasons? Com- um, and then combined. had like forty three in his final something year. like that. Yeah. So it was a process for him at Pitt too. You don't want to rush that process at the NFL level. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's all context. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Um, but at the same time, we understand that man, people are passionate. So. In the words oh, of my I, man Tom, let that's them be why I who love they it. are, man. Absolutely. That's, that's why I love it. We, yeah. we 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 do love this. We we absolutely do. Um it's gonna be I keep saying this, but it's true. It's gonna be a lot of fun as we follow this story as it as it, you know, un unveils itself throughout the regular season. Uh Blake tweets us, What's up, bro chachos? It's a big word. I like it's a, it. It's a big word there, Blake. Like knee jerk. Let's go. <laughs> he says we shouldn't rush Pickett. History shows, uh, specifically from the Browns, what happens mm-hmm. when you throw rookie quarterbacks into the starting lineup. Guys like Burrow are the rare exceptions. Look at the Jets as well, too. Yeah, but you know the problem is this: because they saw the comp coming out of Kenny Pickett to Joe Burrow, because they both were older quarterbacks. They both, you know, had really, really exceptional final years. Everybody just jumps and clings to Joe Burrow, and they say, "Yep, if Joe did it, why can't Kenny do it?" And that's the other part where it's just like you're taking an outlier and you're trying to say that that's the norm. Correct. 
the data itself proves it that's an outlier. And everybody outs like if this was three years ago and we're talking rookie quarterbacks and it was Joe Burrow when he came out, people were saying the exact same thing about him then. Yeah, we think he's gonna be good, but at the same time, he's young, man. It might take some time. We were surprised when they got rid of Andy Dalton so fast. Because we were like, man, why are you going to do that and force yourself to have to play this young guy even if he's not ready or not? To me, I'm just like, I don't. I, it's, it's just funny at times, though, how we lose sight of just the consistency yeah. even in that. Like, that's within the division. And for a fact, that was the consensus feeling in Pittsburgh when they were talking about Joe in contrast well, Why don't to you do the Kansas City thing? Andy Dalton could be your Alex Smith, uh-huh. right? And then you work Joe Burrow uh-huh. in at the end of the season or something like that. And again, there's there's rare exceptions, and that there was one of those are. rare exceptions. But, but that's not the Ben norm. Roethlisberger yeah. was a rare exception to come in and win 15 straight games as rookie was season. Was he the week one guy? He was not. He wasn't even the week one backup. That's what I'm saying. People lose sight of that. But I digress. You digress. I tell you. Even I mean, hey, look at a, a guy that we just saw a week ago, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he was he was sunshine Jesus for three years at Clemson, and he's a surefire. He's going to be a pro bowler, all pro. You know, he's got a coin flip to make the Hall of Fame one day. Now, we'll give him a little bit of a, what do I want to say, a pass for last year because of the crazy head coaching situation and the well, Urban Meyer. Yeah, he liked, he liked to have some fun and hang out. It was in his free time. <laughs> <laughs> the game was over. Let my man vibe out. But even someone with the pedigree of Trevor Lawrence when he was when he was coming in, most of these guys, they get time, and and it's just, I would think, if I was a Kenny Pickett stan, right, if I was a big Pitt fan, loved what Kenny Pickett did there, brought me the best season of my lifetime for most Pitt fans, you know, unless you're in your 50s, yeah. um, I get it. I, I ride or die with this guy, too. But maybe the smart move there, if you're ride or, ride or die Kenny Pickett, is you would want him to have the time so that yes. he has the best chance to succeed and not just throw him in in the jungle in well, Cincinnati and, week one. And you also have to account for the time that you'll be allowing that offensive line to get more acclimated and playing together and more consistently because that's another dynamic that I think kind of gets lost in this thing where people will say, well, yeah, man, he can elevate the talent around him. Yeah, it sounds good on paper until that does not happen because at the NFL, you don't just elevate your offensive line. That's not how it works. You think Tom Brady could just elevate his Patriots line when they were playing that Giants team that was demolishing them in the Super Bowl? No, it's not how it works. It's extremely hard to just elevate those guys. Ben Roethlisberger, Hall of Fame quarterback. He's not elevating those offensive linemen like that. So with that being the case, when I think of Mitch, I just say to myself, man, wouldn't you want the more veteran guy who the negative experiences that he may or may not experience these first three to four weeks, they won't have the same lasting effects on him because of where he's at in his career and his development. Whereas for Kenny, this is going to be his first ever experience in the regular season of the NFL. I'm telling you firsthand, he has not (laughs) seen anything like that. I'm telling you, I don't care about this preseason stuff. There is a substantial uptick in speed and in play and in disguise and in the mental load and in the physicality that takes place regular season over a span of four quarters, over 17 games, than it is in the preseason where you may have played a total of 60 snaps. And if you're doing the math, I honestly don't think he got 60 snaps in this whole three preseason games. So with that, I'm also saying to myself, yeah, I'm not necessarily worried about the injury part because I know people, oh, you don't live in your fears, and I'm not. But what I am cautious of is 
the negative exposure that he would have to experience in the ripple effect of that in terms of eventually you start to get happy feet you start to see ghosts you start to feel pressure even when it's not there solely because your first experiences in the nfl as a regular season quarterback have been you know marred with a lot of (laughs) shoddy protection up front and with this offensive line um they did some positive things yesterday, and it wasn't a lot, but they did. But the problem is the consistency just isn't there right now. And it's across the board. You name any player you want on the offensive line, starter or backup, and they all yesterday had positive plays, but then they would turn around and have negative plays. It would be two good plays, two bad plays, three good plays, one bad play, two bad plays, one good play. The popcorn theory, as we talked about last week. So when you're talking about trying to sustain drives, when you're talking about trying to just be your best self under center, there's zero consistency right now with this group. So you're going to be focused more on that as a younger player than actually being able to learn and do the things that you're going to need to do to be a successful quarterback at this level. So that to me is one of the other reasons outside of the fact that I think Mitch has clearly outplayed him throughout this process. I would also say that, man, just in the sense of I would like for this offensive line to be more situated before we turn the keys over to a Kenny Pickett. Not saying that he can't be successful with it, but if we're playing the probabilities and that's what it comes down to in the NFL, probabilities. Why you think situational football, we wait plays differently? Because the probability of you being successful on a drive stems a lot on third down. When you can extend those drives because you're really good in this particular area, well, that's going to be conducive to your success. The same goes with the red zone. So when we're talking about Kenny, could he come out there and be a good player? Sure. Could he play well behind this offense line that's very inconsistent right now? Sure. But if we're talking probabilities, the likelihood of him coming out here as a week one rookie and elevating this offense line, making this team what it needs to be from start to finish, I say is less than 10% that that happens. Hater. And that's fine. <laughs> and I told you before, if I'm ever lumped in with the mess. And it's not something that I said, like to start it out, I don't want to be a part of it because I see what the masses are. The masses don't watch film. The masses just, hey, man, let's get our pitchforks and all of us going to be buddy-buddy together. Ah, loud and wrong. Whereas I know what I do. I know how I research this thing. I love that energy personally. And like I said, unless I'm leading that wave, don't. Fo- I'm not following nothing over there, man. Uh-uh. <laughs> You don't want to be a product of your environment. Not at all. You want your environment to be a product of you. Yeah, it's that simple, man. And, and I am more than comfortable walking over here on this off-beaten path because I know what these facts are based upon. <laughs> Did you just say without saying... You know what it sounds like. I don't care if you people boo me. I've, you know what it sounds like. I've seen like. what makes you cheer. You know what it sounds like. Whatever that old expression goes. You know what it sounds like. <laughs> Cuban Dan tweets us and says, I can understand why everyone is excited about KP. It'll never make sense to me to throw a young blood into the fire when there's a seasoned player available. Give it some time to develop. And I think, Motsi, with the offensive line as well, too, with the run game, hey, listen, we all have a lot of faith in Najee Harris, but the run game as a whole. You saw what it looked like last year. I mean, not even last year. It looked Yesterday looked like last year. Yes, At times, I'm like, yes, Najee, run into a brick wall. And Tackle for loss. Oh, nice run right here. Oh, Najee, <laughs> make a guy miss. Najee, hitting don't the, jump. Hitting the backfield, able to still gain yeah. two or three yards. I it's mean, like, that's a lot of what we saw last year. I'm like, repeat process from last year. <laughs> and isn't you and I have discussed this how many times you look at every quarterback in the NFL that's the young quarterback that's been able to hit the ground running 
You can go back to Russell Wilson and, and what they had there with Marshawn Lynch in that run game. Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Heck, even Carson Wentz and what they had with that O-line in that run game in Philly. Uh, Jared Goff when he was having success with Todd Gurley and those guys. I mean, the lists go on and on. That's such a cheat code for a young quarterback yeah. to have an established offensive line in a run game that you can lean on. And right now, I think with the Steelers, you could argue it's certainly not that, but it's maybe the opposite. It's it's a run game that I don't want to say weighs down a quarterback, but it's it's a run game that I think is not going to help you in that regard, at least not yet. Well, because it's like not keeping you on schedule right now. It's looking more like a wasted Ex- play exactly. when it's first and 10, you run it in his first, second and 10 or a second and nine or second and 11. That's a wasted play. So, yeah, it's doing more of a disservice than it is um, helping these guys out. So you're absolutely right. But that goes back to that um, that consistency or the lack thereof. And like I said, man, it's across the board. Um, if I had to rank how I think these offensive linemen played yesterday or as a whole, how do I think the group is? I think between Mason and Chooks, they've probably been the best in terms of consistency. Um, after that, man, I think I'm leaning slightly Dotson. And then between – I'll probably go Daniels because he hasn't gotten torched as badly as Dan Moore. But – Across the board, none of those five have really, you know, done enough to where we feel like, man, whether they were free agency additions and we're like, yo, you guys are living up to the money that we're giving you. Or even in-house when you're talking about we uh, we paid Chooks, it's like, man, I'm liking some of the things, but I want more from you when I'm paying you what I'm paying you now. That was cool a year ago. But now with the new money, the expectations, as we said, when you sign that contract, when you get paid like that, that's force multiplier money. I need some more about you. And I do think he's improved, but I just need more. Because when you're talking about that compensation, we're taking away from potentially having a little bit better left guard or a little bit better left tackle or a little bit better, you know, running game or whatever. However we could fix this up. Maybe it's a defender or something like that. But that's the type of money that you think of when you're looking at a player getting what he gets. So that's another part of it. With James Daniels, to me, he just has to be better. Um I see some of the plays where it's like I like his effort. I like some of the things he does, but the consistency just has not been there. Um, Running game or passing game, I think his effort is always there. I love how he continues to always try to finish blocks. Hmm. Even if he misses it, he's still going to get back in the play. He's always going to be a fighter in that regard, so I do like that. But as a whole, he has to be better. You don't pay him the way that we paid him. We don't have the expectations for him the way that we do for him to come in and be playing the way that he has been thus far. And this isn't nothing new. No. What I'm saying right now, he's hearing from his coaching staff, but more importantly, I know internally he's hearing this from himself. When he cuts that tape on, he knows the type of player that he's capable of being, and he knows what he's seeing out there. And I'm just banking on him being professional enough to understand how to correct it. And we're going to have, what, two weeks essentially before yeah. the opener. 13 so days. hopefully by then, you know, we'll have some of those things cleared up. But I definitely just think for him, he just has to be a better version of himself, period. Um, you can say that about all five. Yeah. When I think of like, but the difference is this: I do think he's capable of being better. Right, right. That's the difference. Like when I look at like Kendrick there's a, Green, there's a higher ceiling like, there. I love watching Kendrick Green right now because people have buried him and all this other stuff. But you watch him in that second half of yesterday's game; he is a son of a gun out there blocking these dudes. Second level guys. There's there's off, no quit uh, D in lineman. him. When I like, and I I don't want to go back to five five because I don't want to feel like I'm always bashing him. Sure, but the sure. biggest difference between Devin Bush and Kendrick Green, both players have struggled at various points and times throughout their brief stints here in Pittsburgh and even this year in training camp. But the difference to me is Kendrick Green's effort. 
He's, Even he's pedaled to the metal 24-7. It doesn't matter if you run him over. It doesn't matter if you shake him. This dude is still going to find somebody to hit. This dude still, man, I'm like, bro, you just got smashed on this play. He comes back the next play, and he's drive blocking a, 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 a linebacker. He's like, I'm going to find somebody to hit. Whereas, like, when we watch 5-5, it's always like that question mark of, okay, is this one of those plays where he's really going to go all out, or is he kind of taking it easy? Is he going to, you know, show effort, or is he going to just kind of watch this play happen? I don't feel that way with Kendrick. I just think at times his physical limitations restrict him from being the player that he wants to be. But watching him, it's like, bro, I would keep him on my team because I can win with that. I can figure out some of this technique stuff, but man, you can't, that that effort that he has, that desire to be out there, that desire to finish plays, you either have that or you don't. And give me a guy like that with less talent than a guy with all the talent in the world that has no heart. And that's kind of how I feel when I look at Kendrick. So even with him, it's like, man, I think I don't want him starting right now. I think he still has a lot more where he has to improve upon, yeah. but he has the foundational pieces. And where the matchups are a little bit more closer for him, I like him in these matchups. And that's just one of the things that he's going to have to continue to figure out, though, as a smaller player. But Dan Moore, on the uh, on the contrary, it's like, man, as I'm watching him, the more and more I'm feeling like he's kind of regressing over these past two weeks. It was like, man, I understand the Josh Allen element of it and the success that Josh was having because Josh, I think, has the chance to be a really good player. But Charles Harris... I mean, I'm a fan of Charles Harris. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, he's a good player. He's been with Detroit the past couple of years. He he can rush. But he's not that much better than Dan Moore. He's not, I'm just beating you off a get-off, Dan Moore. If that's Aiden Hutchinson, okay, man, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And Aiden's sack that he had on James Daniels, to me, was kind of like that mix of the pressure from the outside, the coverage, and then Aiden just kind of, you know, outworking James to finish that rush. But... When I look at the reason why it was able to happen like that is Dan Moore getting, you know, beat with speed once again. And like I said, Charles Harris is nowhere near the caliber of athlete as a Josh Allen. Those are some of the matches that can't happen. Like I said, if Jacksonville a, has some dogs yeah, along that front. If it's a Josh Allen, if it's a, a, a Trayvon Walker, if it's a Miles Garrett, if it's a Von Miller, if it's somebody that we respect on that level, it's like, Dan, you get the benefit of the doubt. Your Charles Harris is you got to block. Because if you're not blocking Charles Harris's, now I'm over here looking like, okay, can, can you could you, could you block a, a Alex Highsmith, Trey could, Henderson, could, Hendrickson? Could, could you get a Hendrickson? Could, could you get you know coming up here in thirteen like, like, days? I'm thinking about those type of dudes now all of a sudden, but it's not because you know we're just creating it out out the air. It's like no, this is what you're putting on tape right now, and those are the areas where he has to improve upon. And I'm just at like I don't know right now if it's solely a technique thing with him. It's just making me a little bit more concerned with that. And the problem also with this whole scenario is the timing. Sure. I mean, you got 13 days. You're going to have the waiver wire in a second or in two days when, or excuse me, in a, a day, four o'clock tomorrow mm-hmm. when they make the mass Little cuts. Over 24 and that's hours. Cool, yeah. But I don't want you signing guys for the sake of signing a guy. Is this guy going to be better than Dan Moore? That's the conversation. Not, oh, man, he's released, so you know, we just bring him over here. It's like, no, is he better than Dan Moore? Because if he's not, then it's a redundant move. I don't think you need to make it. I look at guys like Eric Fisher. I think of guys like uh, Jason Peters, obviously Isaiah Wynn. And I look at those three dudes, and I'm asking myself, well, all three of those dudes bring something positive, but all three of them bring something negative sure, as well. Sure, And I'm trying to put this all in that equation of, are any of those three guys worth Dan Moore? In the sense of, do I think what I would have to give up, pay, however I'd have to acquire these guys, 
are they going to be a definitive upgrade? Because if they're not, then I don't really see the point in going that route. Just particularly replacing Dan yeah. Moore with guys who are 10 years older than him. Absolutely, and yeah. not as healthy as him either. Right. Because now you know what is up happening. I'm ended up paying this guy whatever, along with whatever I had to give up to go get one of these guys, and they're not even playing. I'm still stuck with my same Dan Moore. So that's the part where I'm like, okay, if it's not that definitive, well, now I'm looking to Matt Canada and I'm saying, hey, schematics now. Hmm. You need to dress it up better. You need to protect him. He can't be ISOed. And they haven't done a lot of that. They have not. They have Rightfully not. so. Yeah, they want to test those yeah. guys. They want to strain those guys. Mm-hmm. That will change, obviously, September yeah. 11th in Cincinnati. That's my whole thing, man. But, but yeah, it's listen, I think we all thought, and this is something, you know, if you were listening to, to Max and Wolf before, mm-hmm. before Moats and I came on, they were talking about this as, as two former offensive linemen. Yeah. It's going to be a work in progress. That's something that, you know, you need to just accept, accept right now. But you also need building blocks you also need encouraging mm-hmm. moments along the way and we haven't had a ton of those to this point yeah. uh, Frankie Z says that he thinks the offensive line is spending too much energy thinking about they were supposed what they're supposed to be doing versus just firing off reacting and doing it that will get better with time at least I hope <laughs> I'm sure these guys are in their own heads a little bit no. I mean they, they they know everyone's been critiquing their performance they know last season wasn't good enough they know there's a lot of eyeballs on them in that regard I, I'm with you Wes but I, I don't follow any of that narrative because, to me, this just reminds me of the Devin Bush stuff. It's like, y'all going to come up with every other excuse. First is schematics, then it's going to be the technique, then it was the coach, then it's this, Oh, they'll then blame the quarterback at some point. I'm just like, no, you just got to be better. Well, depending period. on who the quarterback is. Right, but, but you just have to be better, period. Like, <laughs> yeah, And, and I will do. also say this, um, as a player who's played under multiple coaches that taught multiple techniques that I did not always agree with. In the classroom, sure, you communicate. In the classroom, sure, you listen. Okay, cool. In practice, you might try some of the things out. But when it's the game and the lights are on, any coach, any player will tell you this 100% of the time. You do what works for you. Do not get out there and, hey, coach, man, I was trying this. I was trying this. And you getting beat in an evaluation? Nah, buddy, that is not how it works. It's been plenty of times where I'll come off that field and coach is like, hey, that's not how he coached up a heck of a play. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out later in the week. <laughs> we'll find some middle ground there. Right, we'll figure it out in the week. Yeah. And, and a lot of that pertains to some of the, the different <laughs> minutiae that comes to certain plays. So it's like, I get that, but at the same time, I don't want to hear that because as a player that's done this thing for nine years, it's like, man, it's plenty of them conversations you have to have. And if I could do it who's not a Pro Bowl and not an All-Pro, I can assure you some of these guys that do have a lot longer of a leash, they can do those exact same things. And that's the part where it's like, man, are you going to seek comfort or are you going to seek solutions? The comfort part is, man, I'm new to the team or it's a new scheme. The comfort part is, hey, man, I'm working with different guys. The comfort part is, hey, man, you know, we're bad last year. So what you expect this year, man, we got a lot of the same people coming back. It's going to be a work in progress. That's the comfort. The solution is, okay, let me look in the mirror and see how can I improve my technique? Let me look in the mirror and see what are some of the things that I'm doing well because each and every one of these guys that I've talked about today have done positive things. They have. They certainly have. But it's like, hey, how can I replicate that? You know, and those build are the upon things. that as well, too. Those are the things you have to ask yourself. Don't seek comfort. Seek solutions. Okay, if this and this does work and this doesn't work, how can I continue expanding on what does but at the same time improving upon these things incrementally? That's what you have to figure out. If you want to last in this league, if you want to be as successful as you truly expect or hope to be, that's what it takes. You have to be critical of yourself. If you're looking for the the, the person to pat you on your back, if you're looking for <laughs> the person to hold your hand and say it's going to be all right, 
well, that's going to have us sitting here, you know, a year from now talking about, man, we need offensive linemen again. We need to go shopping again. When does that get old? Oh, sorry, did not sound. It's as old. Pleasant. It's old sorry, already. Sorry, did not sound as happy. Can we get with back to the thing, quarterback man. debates? I my mean, bad, dude. My bad. It, because it's like it's frustrating because I see the potential they have, sure, and that's sure. the problem. It's sure. like if I didn't think they were capable of it, man, I would not care. Like when I talk about certain players, you can hear my tone. When there's certain ones, I'm just like, yo, I, I've kind of turned the pace. Wash, got like, wash your hands and like, you're done. I, I, I'm cool. I don't care about that anymore. Like I've done. I'm not there with this group. I think that this group does have a lot of potential. I think this group can be a really good unit. But they have to be way more consistent. Yeah. And that's the part for me, man, where it's just like, that's frustrating. Because you're showing that you can do it. If yeah. you never show that you could drive block, if you never show that you could pass block, if you never show that you could pull, different conversation. Once you put it on tape, I expect it now. And that's just where I met with their group, man. I expect mm-hmm. it from them because they've shown it too many times, but they have to do it more consistently. Me is a little le- less optimistic than Frankie Z. Me says my optimism of the season has been tempered by the lackluster performance of the Steelers' offensive line. As Big Ben used to say to his linemen, we go as you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. Canada helped him out, though. Matt Canada, he's already shown some things, um, even in this uh, third preseason game, where I'm looking and I'm like, okay, he has a good feel for what he's trying to accomplish. In terms of when that offensive line starts getting weird, he starts going misdirection. The Gunnar Oshesky plays, the Steven Sims plays, the quick hitters, the, all right, let me get a shot downfield just to counteract some of that pressure. He's already showing, you know, his framework, his yeah, foundation. Yeah. I think it's been overlooked in a sense, but you can definitely see some of the things that he is, you know, putting out there on the table. And I'm excited to see when he expands that because – once again, being a part of this organization as a player in the preseason, Coach Tommy, he is a stickler on not game planning. He is a stickler on being extremely vanilla. He wants to see your Jimmy's versus their there are that, Jimmy's versus their Joe's. That's simple. Yeah. Whereas other places, they will game plan, they will scheme, they will have certain things, matchups, film sessions on this stuff. That's just how we operate in Pittsburgh, for better or worse. But when the regular season does hit, we will be doing a lot more things to protect this offensive line to offset some of their uh, shortcomings early on in the season. We'll see that here in a couple weeks. We're going to get to a uh, quick break here. When we come back on the other side, we'll close out the show with our buddy Chris Carter of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Locked on Steelers podcast. We'll get all of his observations from last night. We'll get to some of your last tweets as well. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, it's a Steelers Blitz on SNR. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.